Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. My name is Jim Martin. I am joined by Brad, my co-host today, and we are talking about fixed income. And and you know, let's face it, right now if you're an advisor, uh, you're dealing with a market that is down, but you're also dealing with what you would typically refer to as your safe or your low volatility side of your portfolio, seeing some wild swings out there. And if you're an advisor that has had money in bonds uh, or fixed income, you've been you've been on for a ride with this. And so have your clients. And, and we know there's a lot of questions around that, but Brad and I sort of went a different direction uh, relative to how we approach fixed income uh, sometime last year. I don't know, Brad, I don't know when you, when you kind of had the epiphany, but for me, it was, it was middle of last year. I just, I just kind of read the writing on the wall and made a decision. I mean, it was, it, it wasn't a guess as much as just reality of where our situations were. Uh, but I, that's what we're talking about today. What, what can you do going forward uh, to help communicate with your clients where fixed income's at? And maybe what are some ideas that you can implement in your portfolios? And we're not making recommendations. This is really important. None of the products or solutions we're going to talk about today are things that you should necessarily implement. But what are some of the things that are out there that we see advisors doing that might or might not make sense for your practice? So with that said, Brad, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Jim? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm excited about this topic because uh you know, I've I've seen a I've seen a lot on these different forums and people talking about what do they do around fixed income? When's the bleeding going to stop, you know? And uh I I think the very first thing is to do a little bit of a history lesson. You 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 had a, a bit of a unique strategy and you went a different route than a lot of other advisors did. And probably probably like probably like me, you probably didn't do it as much as you wish you did in hindsight, but um walk walk the uh, listeners through kind of what what you've done with a fixed income portion of your portfolios. Yeah. So I actually, I came up with this idea probably four or five years ago. So uh, <laughs> it's like vindication right now a little bit because it, it it ended up coming to fruition. And, you know, obviously, I mean, as long back as five, six, seven years ago, you know, with rates so low, I, for one, I never felt really great about with, with rates being so low, I never felt so great about Charging a wrap fee, mostly fee based on you know on fixed income that was already you know <laughs> yielding nothing, right? And I kind of was looking at it originally and said, you know, I'm taking risk. Uh, I'm taking some level of risk to wrap up whether it's Vanguard total bond market, whether it's Fidelity total bond, Pimco total return, you know, you name it, uh, Bond Fund of America. It, it doesn't matter. That just the the interest rates were so low and i i just was like if interest rates creep up even a little bit why am i taking this risk i'm going to wipe out an entire years of net returns with a little change in interest rate and i was like what can i do about this you know and like you mentioned you, know, you go on the forums and you look at 
you know, the common ideas that probably a lot of our listeners have, have heard or maybe implemented like, uh, you know, short duration. Yeah. Um, well, I looked through some of those funds and even a lot of short duration funds, the duration is still such that a one or 2% increase in interest rates combined with a double digit down year for the stock market is, is not pretty. Then I looked at, you know, what's another idea uh, over the years, this goes back to the financial crisis, right? Floating rate, floating rate will save us. Yeah. And, you know, with the floors and the way they work, if anyone's familiar with those, you know, the first, most likely with most floating rate bonds, the uh, the first couple percentage points up from here are not going to, we're not going to have any floating because they've already floored out long ago. So they're not, they're not providing any help. So um, the idea that I came up with was I looked at fixed annuity rates at the time and I, you know, I looked at MIGAs and uh, I'm sure most people know what they are, right? They're, they're fixed annuities that pretty much function like CDs, right? Level rate, you know, five-year MIGA, 3%, again, 3% a year and call it a day. At the end of five years, get your money back, decide what to do with it. So I looked at, you know, I, I looked at a fund, you know, like Fidelity, uh, Total Bond or PIMCO Total Return. I just looked and said, you know, after my wrap fee of give or take 1%, if I net 3% in the future each year out of that, I'll be happy. Right. So if I could just definitely get 3%, no fees, no fluctuation, no nothing, that will serve exactly the purpose I want, which is to be a stable, boring, positive part of the portfolio. So I started going through over the last four or five years and, and offering it. I didn't, you know, I explained my logic, which is similar to what we just talked about. And, you know, I would let clients pick a lot of times and say, you know, in the end, I don't expect one to really, um, you know, one's not going to get 10%, one's going to earn two. I expect our return over time to be pretty close. Just the the MIGA idea is going to be much more predictable and easier to live with. And that's exactly, you know, the way that it, it panned out. And, you know, if you're a 60-40 client, you know, I would say, hey, you know, we can do this with all 40 that's in fixed income, or we can do it with half or a portion, whatever you're comfortable with. But I just explained my logic. and and let them guide me and and for the most part i would say 75 or 80 percent of the people or better chose to go you know with a fixed annuity in lieu of traditional fixed income and i have to say this year that's uh that's turned out pretty damn nicely <laughs> yeah well i mean look you, you look at these bond funds this this year and they're down i mean i saw one down 30 percent, brad like crazy yeah. time i've seen but but even the big ones are down 15 16 17 18 percent Yep. I mean, yep. Vanguard these, total bond, Fidelity total bond, Pimco total bond. I'm sure you guys are all seeing the same primary bond funds, and they're all no. close to twenty percent. Yeah. You you go and look at these static allocations that these model models have been built on, whether it's at uh, any of these firms that have built these model allocations, and many of their managers just did not go out and adjust the duration of these bond funds, so they've just gotten flat out slaughtered along the way. And um, it, it's hard to think that they're going to, I don't care what your wholesaler is telling you. Uh, and we're not going to predict what the market's going to do ever on this show. But if your wholesaler is telling you, you're going to see a 10 year up year in bonds, uh, you know, guys, just, just be careful around that. That'd be my, my suggestion. Brad, I had, uh, I, I was a little bit of a late adopter to the, to that strategy. I've heard, I've heard this idea floated a lot in the, uh, the FMO world. Um, in FMO world, for the folks who are captive or uh, not familiar with that, that's uh, those are field marketing organizations or IMOs, insurance marketing organizations. Typically, that's where independent advisors will run their uh, their insurance through one of these organizations. So we've we've heard the idea of bond replacements oftentimes, and they're usually pitched with like a ten year uh, 
a ten-year FIA, so fixed index annuity. Uh, but you, like you, Brad, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't start it. You know, ten years ago or five years ago, rather. I just started it last year. I mean, it, all we had to do is look at inflation. Transit. The word transitory is just complete BS. The monument is mentioned. <laughs> you know, like there's no such thing as a one-time thing. And I know we had supply chain issues, but there was a lot of other things brewing out there that would would give most observers the idea that inflation, while we didn't expect it to be persistent at eight or nine percent, was probably going to be higher than the than the than than what it's normally been. And because of that, you know, it, with the Federal Reserve. You're not going to see rates low forever, right? I mean, you know, they're not going to keep rates pegged at zero forever, especially in an inflationary environment. They've got they've got one playbook, and it goes back to Paul Volcker. They're going to follow that, and um, this is not anything new. Uh, in addition to that, I, the Federal Reserve came out like late last year and said, "Hey, we are going to raise rates multiple times to to do this." So. I don't know about you, but I, I don't think they lie. I mean, I don't always think they're telling necessarily the truth, but I don't think they're always uh, – or uh, they're trying to tell the truth, but they're not always completely transparent. But they're not lying when they say they're going to raise rates. And we know. I mean, look, if you've been around, you know what you were taught in like you, the very first day you started and started to earn. Bonds and interest rates have an inverse relationship. Like, right. So it's really simple to figure out. You better shorten your duration in a huge way, or you better take the risk off the table and go to go MIGA. And you know, MIGA rates right now are just absolutely insane. I mean, you're getting five percent on a five year, but but yeah. a couple of years ago you're getting three percent. Which, by the way, three percent. I mean, you know, people are lining up at your. If a bank advertised three percent on fixed income, they would have line out the door to the river. I mean, it, yeah. re realistically. Now, there's. There, there's some problems with this strategy, some challenges with this strategy as well. It's not all like, hey, you're going to get this and you're going to get guaranteed. It's it's the claims paying ability of the insurance company. It's you know your money could be slightly illiquid. What are some other risks associated with with switching over to a, a fixed income strategy? Well, you know, we don't have as much liquidity as you would in a in a wrap account using ETFs or right. bond funds. That I would say that's number one. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where your biggest risk is, is that, uh, but you get paid less too. Like, you know, if, if you're an advisor, like this is, this is, if you believe in this, this model, this is not uh, a model where you're going to, you're going to be able to charge one and a half percent on it. There are, but there are, but with, with all that said, there are fee-based fixed annuities out there. I'm not, I'm not leveraging them in my portfolio, but they do exist. Yeah. Um, so you have liquidity, um, you've got to make sure you choose good insurance companies, so A-rated carriers. Uh, you you you're gonna you're gonna potentially uh, have that money locked in for five years. And it's also the other problem that's worth mentioning is you would not want to do this in a non-qualified account if the client is below fifty nine and a half. Sure. Uh, because remember, with an, an annuity, you you give up. They treat it like an IRA. Once you make a contribution, you can have an early withdrawal penalty. Yep. And you know, Jim, since you mentioned MIGA rates right now, because I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, I feel like when I started doing, and I crept in, you know, I say four or five years ago, and I did, I was nervous about it because, you know, you guys listening may hear us talk about FMOs and IMOs and talking about annuities right now, but no one on this podcast is a, your typical, is an annuity slinger. No, that's not our, that's, that's not our deal. Um, so when I, when I started doing this, I almost felt as though I was doing something dirty, Right. So it started out like apprehensive, but as time went on and I saw it playing out exactly as I thought that it would, you know, it made more and more sense. Um, even right now, talking about a five-year MIGA at 5%, let's, I think that this strategy is more useful if we see 0% rates again someday, which I, Jim, do you feel like this, that 
once the government does something to get out of a sticky situation, once they feel like, you know, you're like, oh, we'll do this this one time, but then it's in the, it's in the quiver forever. Right. Like it, it, no doubt about it. Like, there's, <laughs> if they, if they end up wrecking the economy and go the wrong way and push us yeah. into, it push us into a recession. If the fed, the fed over oversteps this, I mean, we're going to see low rates again. Yeah. They won't hesitate to drop rates to zero and buy a trillion dollars for the bonds again. Like, that no. arrow is in the quiver now for future crises, for sure. And, and they might have to. I mean, Brad, if, if you really – I'm not conspiracy theorist, but if you go down this line, I mean, we, we've done the most massive refinance of debt in human history for U.S. US debt. You get debt servicing up another three, four points on, on the amount of debt we have. Absolutely. You start to look at the federal budget, and you're going to really quickly realize there is nobody anywhere in the world that wants rates at 5% because – because the country can't afford it. Like, you're going to have to tax your way out of it. So yeah, we, we could very well see these low rates. The other thing that we didn't mention to this, but I think that's incredibly important. You know, my, and you can tell me if I'm off on this, but my MIGA clients, so my fixed annuity clients who see that three, four, five percent show up month after month, year after year, they love looking at those statements and never seeing a negative and only seeing a positive. Yep. And you, it, you know what, it almost, it also separates you into buckets without calling it a bucket. And you can always, we, you know, we talked about this. I think Greg and I talked about it in the sticker shock ep- episode. It's very easy then to point to this bucket of money and say, Hey, you know, if this bad stock market persists, um, how many years can we draw blank, you know, blank dollars out of this account that never, ever, ever goes down before we have any trouble? How long can we let Google and Microsoft and Apple and Walmart and Tesla recover? And it ends up being a decade. And it and it makes it, it's not just, you know, 10, 12, 14 funds and this fund and that fund. It's a distinct account that never, ever, ever, ever goes down. And it, yeah. it makes that bucket strategy easier to digest for them. And even though we're talking about keeping this in the in the quiver for you know, a future 0% or low rate environment, even looking at it now with a five-year MIGA 5%, give or take, do we really think, and I'm not saying it does or doesn't, I'm saying it's worth thinking about. What's your bond allocation typically? If you add a 1% wrap fee to that slew of funds, do you expect to net more substantially more than, than 5% out of that over the next three to five years? And I don't know that I do. Even no. with, you know, e- even from here, you know, out of a, out of a portfolio of four five, six bond funds, do you expect to earn a net of 5% after your wrap fee or after, after a C share fee or after an A share commission? And I, I don't think that I do even from where we are. Yeah, this, this, if rates tick up a little bit more over the last, over the next six months. Yeah. And we, we don't know where inflation is going. So this is uh there, this is a tough, look, this is a tough pill for your clients to digest and, and for advisors. I mean, uh, when have we been in a situation where bonds have absolutely collapsed and then the stock market's volatile and you're, you're adding, so, you're adding so much risk to your, your fixed portion. And, and by the way, I'm not perfect. Like, you know, we have some bond funds that are down in our portfolios, just like everyone else. I'm not, uh, I'm not proud of it. It's just part of the deal. We all, we all, we're all suffering together. I don't, I don't think there's anyone, uh, or I can't speak for Brad's practice, but I certainly don't have a hundred percent of my fixed allocation in there. You know, my most popular portfolio on deck is a 60, 40 mix. And, and luckily I shortened the duration, but not enough to avoid all the bleeding. That is for sure. You 
know, there, there's the, here's the thing with, with my guys in annuities in general, there are, there are, there is a portion of the population that hate them, uh, for whatever reason. And there's definitely a portion of advisors that just will absolutely turn their nose up at them. Why, why do you think that is? I'm going to guess it's because it's the, you know, it's the 10, 15, 20 year FIA and the, from the, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the VA slingers taking the upfront 7% or whatever it is, or the L share slingers. Let's be real clear about what, about what we're doing here. Jim, what are you getting paid on a, on a five-year MAGA for the most part? I don't know. Two and a half percent. I mean, I think I use a, uh, I've been using one that has a trail. It pays like 0.6.5%. So yeah, yeah uh, less than I would charge if it were in a fee-based account. Yeah, I've been using the, and I'm not, I don't know if we'll say any company names here. I, I think not, but you have a three year that I've been using. That's a, that's a 2% upfront. And I have two, five years I've been using. One of them is 3%. One of them also pays a trail. It's 50 ba- or 45 basis points. Yeah. So make no mistake. I mean, yeah. And we all know Ken Fisher hates them. Um, and a lot of advisors hate them. A lot of clients hate them. We get that right out in the open as to why. But it's not because of migas. It's not because of migas. It's not because of spias. Right. Make no mistake. We are taking a pay cut for the most part, unless you're charging a quarter of a point for a wrap fee. We're taking a pay cut to do this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, because because ultimately we think it's 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 an easier it's an easier ride for our clients, and it just makes sense. Like we're, that's really what our job is to do is to provide better outcomes to our clients and offer solutions that make sense. Brad, like you. You know, I, I go up to my whiteboard and I, I essentially draw three buckets. And you know, I, I heard you and Gray talking about this on our last episode where we talked about st- statement shock. And you know, I, I follow a lot of the same premises. I think I think most of us do. Is I, I have a, a war chest or a, a bucket of dollars where you know, come heck or high water, it's not going to go down. And I like to point that out to clients. So yeah. when they call. You know, when they call when the market's up thirty percent, they're always like, "Well, my my MIGO or my fixed annuity was only up four or five or six percent, Jim. What's going? I hate this." But you know, this year it's been so great. I can remind them, "Hey, do you remember why we bought that that MIGA or that FIA?" And they're like, uh, uh, "Yes." I'm like, "You haven't lost a dime in there, and have probably made money, depending upon which which product selection you have." So, I think that's one. Uh, I think that's one thing that's out there. I th- I will say like. You've got to be careful, though, when you're making these selections and choose choose companies that make sense. Don't do something without really vetting it and understanding how it would work and ultimately without explaining the pros and cons to your clients. Because I, I like Brad, I, I let them, I tell them there's two options. We can go the traditional option and that's down, you know, an intermediate bond fund is down 15% this year. Uh, short-term bond fund. I, I think the Vanguard fund, when I last time I looked at it, was down 5 or 6% for short duration. Um or we can go the fixed the fixed annuity route, if, yep. the MIGA route, and here's what you get. Now here's what you give up, and you just let the clients decide. Like it's yep. not like there's no pitch there. And remember, you're getting paid less. It's not like uh, this is not uh, this is not something we're doing to get excited about. I mean, I'm not excited when I sell a MIGA, but I know it's right for a client. That's all. Yep. Yeah. And, and, so oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, and I was gonna say I was gonna say the other thing. Is that's how you build? That's how you can build portfolios. Your fixed income assets, but never make a mistake that a lot of your clients—I call it lazy money—that money that's sitting in checking and savings that has been sitting there and just built up uh, for two, you know, two, three, five, ten years. And if you're like a lot of folks, you're going to have clients that have two, three hundred thousand dollars sitting in a checking or savings account. That the, uh, a fixed annuity can be a great or fixed annuity or my it can be a great way to add assets to your book. 
and especially in this rate environment here, they're, they're, they, they can be really good um, for your clients as well. So just keep that in mind. It's not an all, it's not, we're talking about building portfolios, but they have other uses out there that might make sense. And Jim, let me, I want to bring up two points that I just thought of. One, um, you referenced uh, most common, the 60-40. Let's face it. Most of us, our most common allocation is 60-40-ish. Yep. What's a 60-40 portfolio down this year? We're in November, right? I haven't looked. I, I know markets had a slight recovery, but what, 14, 15, 16%? Yeah, I'm looking at Vanguard Balanced Index right now down 17 and a half, according to, to Yahoo. Um, they're five, you know, 500 index down 17.8%. So they're about to, so there you go. So balanced fund and, a, and an S&P 500 index fund down the same, the same amount this year. Crazy. But I wanted to point out what this did for us. You know, if you, if we had a 60, 60, 40 portfolio, 60 in, uh, let's just call it, you know, Vanguard 500, give or take, um, you know, 60% down roughly 18%. That's going to be a negative 10.8% drain on your portfolio. The other 40%, if you had an Amiga, even at 4%, that's going to be a, what, plus 1.6, yep. right, on the portfolio. Bang. That that's 60, 40, that's 60 in the stock market and 40% in Amiga is down 9% change net this year. That's a big deal. Down single digits compared to almost 20%. They're in the same asset allocation. Right. I think that's a very big deal. Uh, secondly, I want to say, uh, I think you have, I've made, I don't know how much money I've made, but I brought on a lot of assets, over 20 million in assets, doing exactly what you just said, a way to add assets to your book. That's money that's sitting in banks, especially um, a lot of credit unions are getting interest rates up. Some of the online banks, my local bank, a five-year CD is still in the ones, which is wow. crazy. But what I've also done is you can pick, um, I don't know if you do this, Jim, but some of the MIGAs I use have either a built-in or optional return a premium rider. And what I've done with this is, and for those that don't know, return a premium just means, you know, the surrender charge cannot eat into your principal. So you put the money in and two months from now, you need all the money back. That five, six, seven, eight percent surrender charge does not eat into your principal. You get all the original money back. Yeah. And, and wait, and before somebody complains about that, you go buy an individual, look at these as like individual issued bonds. You buy an individual issued bond at par rate today. You're not guaranteed to get all your money back. Right. So the way I've positioned it, I think in a way of saying, you know, let's do this now. And I know that there's at least one company that's in the fours on a on a uh, five-year MIGA with a, a built-in return of premium. What I've said to people, and this is current, let's jump on it. If rates continue to go up over the next few months, we will simply exercise the return of premium and get your money back and put it back in a new MIGA at you know, 6% if rates oh, go. Oh, man, I love that. Right? Now you're going to so, have to pay your commission back. Yeah, well, that is what it is. Yep. It's true. But, you know, it really is. What's the risk that over the next three months, rates go up another two points? If they do, we lose three months worth of interest is it. But if they don't and it's not worth it, we're locked in at 4% plus for five years and that money was sitting in a bank somewhere. Or Yeah, that's solid gold right there. And, and, and from a client, it de-risks the, the, the decision. Because yeah. that's that's what clients are really worried about. And let's let's face it, clients locking money up right now for five years, they should, right? Like these are great rates. We're yep. we're probably not going to go to eighteen percent on rates. I mean, let's be, this is oh. not nineteen seventy, but but the, the economy is going to wreck itself before. This is my opinion, of course, sure. but 
but man, oh man, if you can get people off the ledge to invest it, because that's what that's the that's the decision that every bond purchaser and every MIGA purchaser in time has made. Well, what if rates go up, Jim? Then I'm locked in for the next 10 years. Well, what if I need the money? Right, right. Yeah. This eliminates that that issue. And it helps. Remember, our job is to help people take action to have better outcomes, uh, ultimately to grow our practices. But this is these are these are solid choices. What what are are there other things out there? So if you're an advisor, let's imagine maybe you don't have access to a lot of MIGAs or you just don't believe in it. So be it. That's fine. We're not trying to convince you to do something you don't want to do. Yep. But what are some other things? Let's imagine you're you're in some of those bond funds you listed, one of those Pimco or Vanguard or every. By the way, it's everyone. It's not those companies. Everybody's gotten you know everybody's gotten bit. But what are some other things people can do here, Brad? Well, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of advisors. And I'm not doing this myself, but they've been using uh, bullet shares. Yeah, in, in in lieu of their traditional bond funds. And if anyone is from anyone's not familiar with bullet shares, these are um, basically funds that are assembling portfolios of bonds that all have the same maturity year, right? So you can buy a bullet share with a maturity year of 2024, 2023, 2025. So, you know, you know, just like buying a bond and you can say to the client, ignore that fluctuation when, you know, this Walmart bond matures, you are getting your principal back as long as, um, you know, there's no, you know, as long as the company's still in business, you can say that about these funds that as they fluctuate in principle in a year like this, we are getting all of our money back in 2024 when it comes to, I don't know that it is as calming as the MIGA approach, because there will be some fluctuation and you still have in a low rate environment, you know, you still have to contend with, they're not going to yield that much and you're still going to build a wrap fee to it. But I think that that's a neat approach to try and alleviate some of the concern. It also takes away something we talked about earlier with like some of these go anywhere bond funds you know, to get the durations down. And I've seen negative durations. Yeah, You're giving an active manager that you don't know <laughs> the ability to use derivatives, which add costs to the portfolio. That That's great if they're right. But if they're yeah. wrong, it makes it worse. Um, what yeah, was that you, you can you can exacerbate it for you sure. Can, you can. What was that fund? <laughs> Talking about a bond fund down thirty percent. I think it was Oppenheimer Champion Income Fund. Do you oh. remember that? Oh, but Oppenheimer. You know Oppenheimer. I, I are they even still around? Invesco bought them a year. Oh, okay, so we can talk bad about them then. Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but if you looked at some of their bond funds back in the day, man, they were it was it I, I never sold Oppenheimer, although I always thought the name was awesome. But right. um, you know, I just think it's a cool name, but but man, they, they just really struggled in a lot of cases of run, running a bond fund for sure. And you're right, like it can really add some challenges. Uh, to your to your portfolio, if you're in a situation where your clients, are, you're even going to exacerbate the risk. Another option that's out there: look, don't don't ignore treasuries right now. I mean, man, oh man, you can look at some of these short term treasuries and find great rates. Now, the the problem with treasuries and the problem with these bond funds is you're just going to add a wrap to them every time. Like, so sure, yeah, you can go out and buy a treasury, but you're going to want to, I mean, you're not going to do it for free. Nobody should be working for free. Like there should be no favors here. Like, you know, you didn't cause bond funds to crash. You shouldn't be doing favors. You should charge for your, for your, what you do. My contract 
on the deck for free. Uh, you know, that's that's how it works. But the problem is when you put a 1% wrap on there, even if you're getting 3.5% or 4% on a treasury, you, you're nailing the effective yield way down. So you just have to be aware of that as you're as you're doing that. The the MIGA approach does not affect that because you're, you know, unless you're using a fee-based MIGA, which are, are a viable option actually, especially right now, yeah. you're, you're not affecting that. So I think bullet shares is a great idea as well. But again, to that point, you're, you're, you're nailing in it what how how should you know it, it will i know you did i know we talked about this in the sticker shock episode we got a couple minutes left here so we'll we'll wrap up but i want to leave it with this let's imagine you have clients who are down in bond funds and you're a little resistant to change how are you going to communicate this brad if you're in that situation how do you communicate negative you negative uh negative returns on the bond funds right now right now yeah Whew, I think I, I mean I would just explain. I would have the elementary uh, interest rate conversation and explain what happened. Yeah, I think you've just got to be transparent, right? Always, like, always, always. Remember, guys, you don't cause this to happen. Like every every advisor who has money in bond funds is feeling the pressure right now. But it's important you explain to people like you did not cause inflation. If you want to blame this on Uncle Joe, go right ahead, depending upon your client base. If you want to blame it on Trump, blame it on him. But just explain what what's happened here. Yep. Just lay it out so people can make the decisions and they understand. But give them options ultimately. Um, I don't know that you'd want to ride out a long-term bond fund right now, given where interest rates might continue to go up. So you've got to be very careful here relative to your clients and your portfolios. Brad, let's uh, let's go final thoughts here. Any final thoughts as we wrap up this show? You know what? Just with these, some of the solutions that we're talking about versus using a traditional bond fund, the person that has to answer for it is us. You know, I know five years from now, as long as I've done my homework and insurer doesn't go bankrupt or I keep it under the state guarantee fund, I made the decision to do this, right? If I defer this decision to PIMCO Total Return or Bond Fund of America, whatever that guy does is not in my control, and but I have to answer for it. So yeah. I, I, that's another feather in the cap of this strategy, I think. Yeah, good good points. Guys, we want to thank you for listening. I want to invite you to uh, to join our private Facebook group at the financialadvisorsedge.com. Uh, but you can also go out to Facebook and just type in Financial Advisors Edge into the search bar, search for groups, and you'll find the Financial Advisors Edge community where we, we do private videos, share lots of content and uh, material. But more than anything, thanks for listening. Remember, leave us a five-star review, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.